Last weekend, we saw how the crowd that was miraculously fed with five loaves of bread and two fish were in such a spiritual high that they got into boats, crossed the Sea of Galilee, and searched for Jesus in Capernaum. As always happens, however, the spiritual high fades. From calling Jesus the prophet, they called him what? Rabbi? And when Jesus challenged them to have faith in him, they called him what? Sir. You remembered. All right. They wanted the miracle, but they did not want to commit to the person of Jesus, the divine person of miracles that faith requires. We saw how Jesus told them and tells us, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. That expression, I am, in the Greek of the gospel is ego imi. It is used for the Hebrew, ea asher ea, found in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when God revealed his name to Moses. Now, it is critical to understand this Hebrew name. In ancient times, the giving of a name implied that the giver had some level of control, power over the one named. In a certain sense, we do that today. Parents, you name your child, right? Or just call it it until the age of 18. So you give the child a name. And plus, you have control, you have power until about age three. But you have control, you have power. But the name God gives of himself is so grammatically restrictive in the Hebrew, using the first person singular, that it is clear there is no outside source that bestows the name on God, but it is God himself reveals the name he wishes to be called by. The divine name, Ea Asher Ea, I am who I am, reveals, therefore, it could only proceed from the divine being and no creature. No human being, therefore, and no human institution has control or power over God. Jesus used that expression, I am the bread of life, in John chapter 6, in verses 35, 41, 48, and 51. I am. Ego imi. Ea asher ea. I am who I am. And the more he revealed himself using the divine name, the more resistant the crowd became. We see in verse 41, the Jews murmured about Jesus. The Greek word for murmur has a fascinating set of definitions, all of which are meant at the same time, by the way, to speak privately in a low voice, to mutter, to express indignant complaint, and my favorite, to utter secret and sullen discontent. Now, why were they murmuring? For the same reason you and I mutter words of sullen discontent against the Lord. When he does not conform to our expectations, when he is not what we imagine him to be, when he dares to be other than what we conceive him to be, 
when we realize that we have no control, no power over him, we murmur. We speak words of sullen discontent. The Jesus who legitimately called himself by the divine name was, the crowd said with absolute certitude, the son of whom? Joseph. And there lies the problem. They had no idea who Jesus' father was. It wasn't Joseph, it was whom? God. But working solely on the basis of their observation, their understanding, their acceptance of what is and is not possible, they close themselves off to the truth. If we think about it, so much of our murmuring, our sullen discontent comes when we insist on imposing our perceptions on the holy without ever questioning if our perceptions themselves may be distorted, insufficient, lacking. One closes oneself off to what the Lord can do. The divine nature that Jesus has eternally shared with his Father and did not lose when he became one of us through the consent of the Virgin Mary and the work of the Holy Spirit allows him to make the claim that he is indeed the bread that came down from heaven because heaven is his origin. He therefore has authority, the power to claim that the one who eats this bread has eternal life. The Greek is interesting in the grammar. It means present progressive. Once you believe, once you consume, you have eternal life right here, right now. You don't have to wait till you die. You got it here. You got it now. Why? Because this bread is what? His flesh for the life of the world. The people murmured uttered words of sullen discontent because Jesus was not speaking to them in the comfortable language of symbol, but in the words of divine reality, divine compassion, divine hope. They refused to allow their free will to accept the words. Instead, they chose, as so many do today, to allow his words to be a source of irritation, mindless debate. Because they were then, they are now, and they forever shall be beyond the pale of human understanding. Notice that at no time did Jesus back down and say, I, I'm sorry, guys, I didn't mean it that way. At no time did he use the language of symbol. He did not back way, he did not soft pedal. He left those people hanging, and he does the same to us. Why? It is never the task of the holy to stoop to our level by conforming to our expectations, but it is our task to accept the grace to allow the holy to draw us up to his level, to be drawn beyond our limitations to the beauty of truth, which is precisely what Jesus was trying to do then in 
is doing right now. How did that ancient crowd respond? How do many respond today? We will see that next weekend.